What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Sailor Jerry podcast. My name is Matt Cothran. I am still your host. It is 2022. And Sailor Jerry Spiced Rum is still made the old school way, 92 proof, bold and smooth as hell. What is happening out there, planet Earth? How we doing, Australia? How we doing, England? How we doing, Germany? How we doing, France? How we doing, Spain? How we doing, Canada? How we doing, USA? Uh, you know, I hope everybody's good, man. I hope everybody's good. It's a, uh, it's an amazing time right now. You know, it's the, uh, the, the start of a new year. Uh, the canvas is blank. Uh, the page is unwritten. And uh, the Sailor Jerry podcast is going into its second year. Uh, you know, our first episode aired January 14th. Uh, last year. So, uh, you know, we're almost full circle on this and, uh, and it feels really great. So shout out to everybody out there who has been watching, listening, supporting the podcast. Uh, can't thank you guys enough, man. Um, what else is going on? 2022. I can't believe that is the year. Uh, I graduated high school in 1997. I was working at a bank when Y2K happened. I don't know if you guys out there fully understand what Y2K is. It was a time when the year hit 2000 and everybody freaked out because they thought the computers weren't going to be able to handle the year 2000 and all the numbers were going to reset to double zero and it was gonna cause total chaos and anarchy on the world's economy and all the computers that hold every bit of information. And it was gonna turn the key on the end of civilization. And I was working at a bank in Long Beach during the time and uh, people would freak out, man. People would come in, they'd be like, what's the word, Y2K? I want all my fucking money out of this bank. The computers are gonna crash. The world is over. And they would just be like, you know, I would just be in there. I was young, I didn't care. I'd be like, okay, sir, here's your $312, you know? Uh, and, you know, and then the world didn't end, ladies and gentlemen. The world moved on. Uh, and and so did humanity, and and so did I. Uh, you know, the Bronx kicking off in 2003. That's another big date for me. Uh, 2008, the birth of Mariachi El Bronx. Um, you know, in the last decade, honestly, it's kind of a blur. A lot has happened, uh, but the last year specifically has flown by. And uh, I think, um, you know, I find myself in a spot not unlike a lot of you out there um, where you're just, uh, you know, you're just in the grind right now. And time is flying and you know it, but it's also something uh, that you can kind of slow down and grasp at moments uh, if you are lucky enough to be able to do that. So I'm hoping that 2022 uh, you know, provides everybody with a little time in between the chaos to grab some moments, uh, some memories, uh, and, you know, some things that'll last you the rest of your life. So, you know, cheers to nothing but prosperity and uh, kindness and success and creativity uh, in the year to come, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for episode 27. Amigo, the devil is coming for us all. In this first podcast of the new year, we catch up with the lovable Lucifer himself to discuss his life in song. From growing up in Miami to passing out demos on the streets of San Francisco, 
and recording his latest album, Born Against. We also talk about the importance of writing instinctually, Amigo's dark well of lyrical inspiration, and the nervous joy of playing with a full band for the first time ever. Speaking of first times ever, Amigo also graces us with a live performance of his hit song, Hell and You. So sit back, relax, pour yourself some Sailor Jerry, and let's go. different faces if you need a place to hide all the parties we can throw we'll dress like anything we please or play the role of anyone stop by for a drink and didn't leave what up man how are you i'm doing well thank you for your patience on this and i'm sorry it took so damn long to get this going Oh, no, dude, it's all it's all good, man. I appreciate you, my brother. You know, this is uh, this is a double whammy here. This is the last interview of the year, and it's going to be the first episode of the next year. So I appreciate your time. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us on. I do appreciate that. Right on, man. Right on. So uh, obviously, this is being recorded on the last day of 2021. Uh, you know, big year for you. You know, you released an amazing record, Born Against uh what uh you will get into the recording process and all that in a sec here but looking back on this year you know from f minus to a plus what do you what do you give it i i you know it's one of those hard ones because yesterday i kind of had a little panic moment in my little privacy shed that i go hide in for a while if i get overwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) um i'm very grateful for the year it was amazing like it was a great year but i know that it wasn't for a lot of people and to some degree, I guess that's how every year is. But for some reason, this year felt a little, I felt guilty being like, what a fucking great year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I would give it, if it was just me, I'd say A plus, like A plus plus, just little gold stars everywhere. Hell yeah. You know, considering everybody around me, you know, maybe like a B. Yeah, that's good, dude. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's 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 awesome, man, because, you know, I mean, it is it's really weird, uh, you know, right now for everybody, obviously, uh, you know, but we have uh, some things in common uh, with 2021 being we both uh, released new records this year. Bronx released a new record. And and so I know all the work that goes into that and all the, uh, you know, anticipation and, you know, once the record's out, it's out. But there's still uh, so much more that happens uh, once the record's out. Um, and you know, we worked really hard all year on ours and I know you did on yours as well. And so it's a mixed thing. Cause you're an artist and you're stoked and you're happy. You can't really tour, but you kind of can, and you got it. You know what I mean? Like you got a lot to be thankful for, but the world is also burning around you. So <laughs> yeah, it is. It's literally, it's that little meme with the dog on fire, the bar, but then it's not the perspective of the dog. It's just everybody. It's like, you're sitting at the door of the bar and you're watching it happen. You go, I'm not going to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the record is great. I'm a big, big oh, fan. Oh, hey, thank you, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, man. It felt good to put out some new music, man. It's, it's uh, you know, it's cool. Putting out a record is a, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I, you feel very fortunate that you get to experience that whole process from writing to recording to releasing. It's, there's really nothing like it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I kind of hate it. I'm terrified of it. I'm yeah, terrified of releasing records. <laughs> what what's what's your what what's the worst part? Is it releasing it out into the wild? I think it um you know how it is. we we all get in our heads and then you record the record and you finally put the ideas that you worked on for so long into a real spectrum of of existence and then you live with the record uh, you know when no one else has to. Yeah. That waiting period, the 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 waiting for everything to be right. And then I sit with it and I go, huh. And it's the, the same thing when, when you have a comeback 
when somebody says something snarky and you say something dumb and then like an hour later you're yeah. like ah, I, I should have said that that's how i feel with the records because i live with it for four five six months and i go shit i i should have done that i could have done this yeah and then i start going well is it not good is it Ooh, people are gonna hate it huh and I start getting into my own little brain about it. Finally comes out. And then that's, I learned just release it. Just, it's not mine. Yeah. It's gone. It's- <laughs> yeah. You just got to let it go. And you got to just realize that it's just, it, it, you know, it, there are snapshots in time of, of where you're at and the music you're making. And you, you can't like, dude, dude, Bronx six, we recorded that in 2019. And so we had to sit on it the whole pandemic year. And dude, I was losing my mind. I was listening to every song going, ooh, this, you know, these lyrics, this performance. At one point there was like, I was like, I'm going to go back in and retract this whole motherfucker. And I like started like the demo process of doing that. And I realized instantly, like, you just can't go back to that place. Like you can't, you, you, it's just done. Like once, <laughs> once it's done, it's done. And that's the instinctual part of writing that I feel like, you know, anytime I'm asked about writing in general, just somebody who's like, oh, I, you know, I write music too. What's your process like? And it's obviously different for everybody, but the one consistent thing that I'm like, everybody should just do one specific thing is follow your instinct on what is right. Like, you know, especially lyrically, I've realized anytime I go back and I try to make something a little extra or more poetic or more whatever I think it should be, the new lyric ends up falling short, regardless of how great I think it is because it wasn't instinctual. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, that's how it is for you, but it's, it's absolutely like the entire spectrum of building a song in my opinion should be instinctual. Yeah, I I agree. And I, I think especially, I mean, lyrically, at least for me, there's always a process of like rewriting and stuff like that and fine tuning, but it's such a, a, a slippery slope and a fine line between like, okay, like I'm going to take another look at this song. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, the song's <laughs> the fucking gone and it's ruined and you blew it. <laughs> oh God. It's fucking like demo-itis where you just mumble something <laughs> or you say a stupid line in the middle of a little demo, just to have something down. And then you write real lyrics and you're like, shit, yeah, you can't let the mumble go. You can't let the mumble go. You yeah. try to write words like that match the original mumble. <laughs> you're like, shit, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I fucking love that. But it's been it's been it's been fun to see. Um, I guess it's been fun to, to learn about writing and recording with every record. Uh, there's there's one that one quote. I'm probably gonna botch it, but it it kind of ruined my life. I read it when I was younger and then it made everything impossible for me afterwards in terms of writing. It was a, it's like the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between a lightning bug and lightning. No. And now every time I write something, I'm like, is this the right word or the almost right word? Yeah. Plague. Yeah. No, but it's, uh, but honestly, I, it's, you know, it's maddening, you know, because you can, you can absolutely drive yourself crazy, but it is part of the process that I really love the most is kind of fine tuning the lyrics, you know, and, and making sure you have, cause it's funny. Cause you know, I, I know myself really well. And so when we go to write a Bronx record, it's like, there's certain spots that I go like, you know, that at some point someone's going to go insane, you know, like, I was, I was, I was, you know, there's certain words that I always use, yeah. or certain, you know, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, it's, it's like funny, like looking back, oh, you know, you, you did this again. But it's, uh, you know, at some point you just got to say, you like, don't even worry about that shit, man. Just write the fucking song, write the lyrics, enjoy it, have it come from the heart and then just let it go. You know, <laughs> it's true. It's 100 percent true. Right on, man. So uh, you when did uh, when when did you record Born Against? What year is it? Um, Where am I? Yeah. What was going on? <laughs> we recorded late summer 2020. Okay. It was toward, uh, I'd say like July, August, September. Okay. It was a little scattered. We were doing kind of a week at a time up in Dallas. And it was so close that I was just, you know, coming home, taking a few days, sitting with it. 
And it's definitely the first time I've ever had the opportunity to take time between sessions to really sit with it and go, do I, do I actually think this exists as it should? Which was a double-edged sword for sure, because there were yeah. moments where I, I threw away entire songs because I, I just, I couldn't find myself in the groove of it after coming home regardless of how amazing it felt in the studio with everybody and you know yeah and it was a relatively small crew it was just three of us for the most part it was little jeff Bo, and i what studio you record at it was modern electric is that with jeff uh jeff sands yeah hell yeah man shout out to jeff he's been through a fucking you know hell hole uh you know this year but he's uh he's coming out the other side of it so uh, nothing but love for him. Um, that's awesome, man. So that was in Dallas, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And cool. that's uh, definitely the most rewarding. Um, I mean, rewarding is a rough word, but rewarding experience recording a record because it was so pure. It was so lighthearted. It was so full of, of love, essentially, where, mm-hmm. I mean, you know how Jeff is and Bo is, is a big ball of light as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was very connected. It was cool. a very... It's a very connected format of recording. And we'd basically go in, you know, what, noon or some shit and go, all right, let's work on list, 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 this song. And yeah. then that whole day we would do nothing but focus on that song. And since I don't have a band or anything, I'd kind of lay down the bones of the acoustic or the banjo. And then we'd go, all right, structurally, does this work? Yes, no, make a few changes. Now let's decorate it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just every song was like a little little Christmas tree that we just got to throw ornaments on. And yeah, there's a lot of cool, uh, you know, instrumentation and song structures on the record. And I was going to ask you about that because I think that's one of the ways, uh, you know, your music has evolved, uh, you know, from release to release is just the uh, the instrumentation just seems to keep getting stacked and keep getting a little bit uh, more intricate and awesome. Uh, and, and, you know, it's cool because you, like you said, you have the bare bones, you get the banjo, you get the acoustic, however you want to start with the song, but then, you know, decorating it in the studio, uh, can be some of the funnest, uh, you know, times in the process. So were you going into the record knowing you wanted to put, you know, a a good amount of horn on it or some extra stuff here, some extra stuff there was it all just kind of, as it happened? I'd say half and half. I had rough ideas of sounds and moments on the record that I really, really wanted. But then um, most of the percussion, for example, a lot of the, I guess it's not really percussion, but like the the tempo accents. So like on Shadow, there's this one part that it's, it kind of drives the percussion into the, the, the next little bit. And it's, it's just a knife across a wet cement floor um it's just yeah and that came about because i actually i've I've used a knife on every record so far but really yeah 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 (laughs) i was about to say something i was like that's a lie don't lie (laughs) Uh, a lot of things make up some crazy story yeah we had a guy bring in a big brick of cement back (laughs) in the cement truck into the studio we lay <laughs> he broke down the wall and he started running around. He was naked. And the sound that he made made me think of this. Blah. No, um, a lot, a lot of the, like the road cases, for example, there's one big road case that I uh, kind of banged on like this. I was just walking by and I was like, da, da, da. I was like, that's the one that's, I, I love sounds, right? Yeah. Cool. I love noise shit. I'm a big noise nerd. Um, yeah. so it makes no sense. But, <laughs> and that road case ended up being a lot of the kick on the record because awesome. when we mic'd it, it was so boomy, so heavy and just dreary and thuddy that uh, that was an element I didn't have planned, but it, it added some stuff, that kind of thing, half and half. Yeah, right on, man. That's cool because the record, uh, it, it sounds really cool and it's, it's nice to know you recorded it. Uh, with Jeff in Dallas, because that, that's a great studio too, man. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a, that's an awesome spot. So, you know, noise guy, you got a little experience recording, you know, how, how did you get into music? 
I wanted to fit in with the kids I wanted to be friends with. So I had gotten expelled from, when I was like fifth, fifth grade or something. Fifth and grade expulsion, starting yeah. early. That's pretty that's, early. Well, that's it was. <laughs> usually I, I, it's I, I, like, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, fifth grade. No, it was. Props uh, to you. Props to you. <laughs> and so that late in the year, because I got expelled like two months before school ended, none of the schools wanted to take me. And finally, um, one of them had room for me. And it was, it was in Miami. I grew up in Miami. Okay. And I remember I was like, shit, man, I got to make friends like quick because two months left in the year. Everyone knows each other. I don't know anybody here. Yeah. And to the, the kid, I mean, the guy that ended up being one of my best friends in the world, you know, he yelled some, some horrible shit as soon as I walked in <laughs> in front of me. And I was like, damn, dude, that's a, that's like a real cool Rob Zombie shirt. <laughs> and he's like, you know who Rob Zombie is? I was like, yeah, 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 and, uh, and my cousin was showing me like, you know, like Slayer and Testament. Yeah, 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 classic cousin. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, and I just started like spouting off everything my cousin was telling me. I was like, yeah, yeah, that one too. And he goes, yeah, I'm in a band. I was like, what? I'd never met anybody in a band up to that point. And he's like, come hang out. So I did. And he's like, you play guitar? I was like, yeah, dude, I play guitar. My cousin had given me a guitar. I didn't play it at all. And I, I lied. I was like, yeah. He was all right, cool, man. Like, bring it. Come hang out. Jam with us. And dude, we're, you know, fifth grade, we're children. Like, well, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Garbage. And so they suck, obviously. And everything sucks. And the first time I hung out, I was like, ah, I forgot my guitar. <laughs> In my head, I'm freaking out. I'm like, I got I to learn guitar immediately <laughs> because <laughs> i did i did and i learned how to play the songs that they were playing which is like, you know, like, like no effects and stuff like that that's the yeah kind of a little little whatever they were playing at that time and i remember being like okay i actually like playing guitar I, I like this a lot so you know i did little bands throughout middle school high school but uh i was never really good at yeah. writing the kind of music I wanted to play. As I got a little older, you know, through like late middle school, high school, I wanted to play much heavier music. And I tried and tried and I, and I wasn't good at it. Like I wasn't fast enough for thrash stuff. I wasn't good enough or intricate enough for like grindy stuff. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, you know, we played in a lot of, it's basically like thrice worship bands for the most part, honestly. Yeah. And was yeah. fun. But it still wasn't what I wanted to do. So I stopped playing music when I left high school and did school, all that stuff. You go to college or junior college or? Um, I, I went to a brewing academy in, in Munich. Oh, shit. Okay. In, in Germany? Yeah. Hell yeah. So I, I learned how to make the beers real well. Hey, if you're going to do it, Germany's the spot, man. That's, that's the... Uh... That's the, I remember when we toured through Germany, it's the coolest thing. People out there don't know you go from like town to town and in mm -hmm. every town, there's basically a brewery. So backstage every night, it's like a different like oh, yeah. beer from the city. And it's just the coolest fucking thing ever. And oh, their yeah. purification laws are like, you know, nuts. So it's, yeah. So it's, it's great. That's rad, man. I didn't know that. So it's, um, it, it was fun. It was nice. And it felt rewarding to have that career in brewing. And I did that for a little while, but it, it, that led me to San Francisco In San Francisco. I was like real depressed. <laughs> I didn't have any friends. I was working way too much. Couldn't afford a goddamn thing. And I was sitting in my apartment and I was like, man, let's, let's just like play some music. Yeah. And I forgot what this was like. Wrote a couple songs, which ended up being the first songs for this project. And that was kind of the same process as the guitar. I had a banjo because I thought it was funny. Because growing up in Miami, you don't really understand the banjo is a very important instrument. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, ha ha, it's a banjo. And I bought one at a thrift store and then finally learned to play it because I picked it up. And then this thing started. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Does, uh, 
does playing guitar, you know, I know you said you, you grew to love it, but was it, was it something was learning, you know, for a lot of people picking up a guitar, it's like, you know, it's like learning a different language or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to pick up, you know, especially it's hard to get good at. How was that process for you? Was it relatively, did it, did it seem like it fit? I think the guitar aspect was relatively easy at first because what I was trying to play at that time was so simple. Yeah. And so straightforward. And, and I didn't need to know more than six chords, you know? Um, and then that's once I, once I really wanted to play a little faster, a little heavier, a little more, a little more detail, I realized that nah, this is hard. This is not. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, started listening that's when you know after a while i got introduced to like john prine and leonard cohen and all that stuff and yeah, yeah yeah yeah. and that's when i realized okay i have no idea how to play guitar i've never played guitar in my life apparently so that's kind of when i got into the acoustic journey of you know finger picking and all that and that was really hard until it wasn't yeah it made no sense to me and then one day it kind of clicked and um and my fingers and my brain started to coordinate what needed to happen to play the simple stuff. Um, and the banjo was very similar. I didn't understand the banjo at all. I, I, I picked it up and I was like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> and so I would just kind of move my fingers around until things sounded good. And I, I could write songs that way, but I couldn't play the banjo and I couldn't play anybody else's songs. And uh, over time, I really tried, 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 couldn't get it until one day woke up and it clicked. It was like in my brain, just something snapped and it made sense. And I think just with time, everything gets yeah. put in perspective. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And so 2013 is when I think your first release, right? Diggers. Is that when Diggers comes out? And is uh, that I had put an EP out before that, but nothing i didn't do anything with it okay it was just kind of a bunch of songs that were on myspace uh i had saved up a little money and i went to record those songs at god city with kurt oh shit awesome um which was a really funny experience because i am clearly a oh you know, shit yeah you got that you got that jane <laughs> doe you got that jane doe tat so, so i emailed him i was like oh hello mr kurt God, I have some songs. Can you record them, please? And he was like, sure. I was like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> He's okay. like, yes. <laughs> okay. And, you know, I mean, this was like 2010. Damn. 2000, yeah, 2010. So that's early God City, too. I mean, he, you know, he's been, I mean, Kurt's been recording for a while now, obviously, but that studio, you know, it hasn't been around for, you know, that long comparatively, you know, so that's that's pretty early on. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I went to Salem and I didn't have anybody else around me because it's just me doing it. So I was freaking out. Same thing. I had never recorded in a real studio um, with somebody who had a career. Yeah. In, that wasn't like. And was like expecting you to like do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I showed up and I had these little demos that I had done at home and they're horrible, but I, they're funny to listen to now. And I played them for him and he's like, are all your songs about death? <laughs> and I was like, I think so. Yeah. He's like, okay. What do you want to do? And I was like, shit. That's the one question that I wasn't ready for. Yeah. On the, on the flight, on everything I had like prepared myself for. I got this. I got this. He's going to ask me this question. I'm going to answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what, like in, in what, in what sense, what do you mean? And he's like, well, how do you want to record these songs? I was like, shit. I figured I would just like play them. <laughs> and he's like, uh, he was super sweet about it. I, you know, yeah. he was, he was trying to guide me, but I think that in seeing how lost I was, he was really trying to find the, the space to navigate. Like, all right, this kid has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. How do we let him down gently? <laughs> kind of thing. And he uh he really, really did guide me through the process very kindly, very effectively, I should say. And um 
looking back on it now, I, I realize how many things he kind of said or suggested that were, that were like, all right, let's make him think it was his idea. Right. Yeah. Um, so I credit a lot of, of the progress on the, the next recordings to kind of how he guided me through that and, and learning how to do pre-production and stuff like that. Yeah. That I had no idea. But then, you know, I had that EP. It was called Manimals. Okay, Manimals. And I didn't do anything with it. I, I wasn't playing shows. I, it, I, just, I just had a recording because I wanted it. Did you put it, did you, uh, like, did you make CDs or vinyl or anything like that? Is, there, is it out there to collect? Yeah, yeah. I made CDs. Didn't, I didn't have anywhere to sell them, so I was just kind of giving away the first ones. And originally, the demos that I had before God City, I was just burning them onto little things and just, yeah. I would go to shows that I wanted to be a part of their world. And I would just line up the CDs outside of the venue. And then when people came out, they'd take them and toss them or whatever. Um, so those demos are out there somewhere also. I haven't seen one in, you know, 10 years plus. That's, and is that, were you, were you handing out demos in, in San Francisco? Yeah, that was all yeah. in San Francisco. Okay. So it'd be like outside of like a Will Whitmore show or something. And I would just be yeah. like, I'm going to put all my CDs here. <laughs> And at that point, were you, were, were you, you were Amigo the Devil, obviously. Where did, where did the name come from? Fully random. Like, I, I have no good story for it. It was, yeah, because uh, it's great. I mean, it's great. But it's like, so you were like, oh, I'm going to call myself this. I'm officially a band. I'm doing this. Yeah. I, I didn't want to use my name because at the time I was so introspective and thoughtful. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to separate myself from the songs. Hey, you know. It's, it's not a bad move, you know? I mean, I mean it, it you worked can, out at the end. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, it's cool to have that separation. It's cool to have that kind of artist identity too for yourself. You have somewhere to go. I mean, you know, it's like, of course, you can read too much into anything and it can become, you know, whatever. But I, I, I see nothing wrong there. I see nothing wrong. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I'm, I'm glad I did. Um, but it, you know, it's one of those things that I got lucky. Yeah. It was like a, an idea that wasn't fully developed that I got lucky with. And I just needed a name for the MySpace profile. So I just kept typing things in. I was like, That's, that sounds dumb. And then finally, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go the devil. I'll change it later. I'll come back to it. And then I didn't. Yeah. Um, now it's too late. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm happy with it. It's fine. It's, 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 a, it's a good memories. It's all good memories attached to it. So. Oh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Grab your favorite sports ball because it's time to make some Sailor Jerry pre-game punch. All you're going to need is six parts Sailor Jerry spiced rum, one part lemon lime soda, six parts spicy ginger beer, three parts pineapple juice, and one and a half parts fresh lime juice. Here's how we're going to make it. You're going to take all those ingredients and you're going to put it in a punch bowl or a pitcher. A punch bowl is way more fun. A pitcher is a little bit more professional. You're going to fill it with ice and to serve it, you're just going to pour it into some highball glasses or something that's got some style, garnish it with a lime, scream at the TV, throw some chips in the air and have some fun because it's sports season, ladies and gentlemen. Now back to the show. So there's CDs of, uh, of Manimals out there. Animals. Has, it's never been pressed to vinyl? No. Well, kind of. So I did Manimals, and then 2013, I did another EP, which was Diggers. Yeah. Um, and the, then in 2015, I did another EP called Decompositions. Okay. And I was doing EPs at the time because I didn't have money to record more. I was just yeah. kind of I – mean, I had two days' worth of money, and I'd be like, All right, I'll do – yeah. Four songs, and then those three EPs became what is now Volume One. Gotcha, gotcha, and that came out in 2015. Okay, yeah. So okay. that that was pressed. That has been pressed a few times. Okay. Um, the Manimals ones are gone. I don't even have one. <laughs> the other two are, are floating around somewhere, but yeah. And then how did, uh, did, did the studio get a little easier, you know, with each EP? Because I, I think people, I mean, now I think it's maybe not as much of a uh, intimidating 
thing now that you can record at home and you can kind of kind of stumble through the process a little bit on your own. But I mean, the studio, especially when you're paying and someone's there and you got, you know, it's like it, it, it can be uh, daunting, man. It can be like a monkey on your back sometimes, especially when you're first trying to like, you know, you know, you never really you know, I don't, you got to record to a click or you got, there's all these little things that come up that might come up if you just, if you decide to record one way or the other, that for someone who doesn't really have that experience, it's kind of scary. And then it fucks with your head and then it fucks with the performance of the song. And then the, every time you hear the song, you think about the shitty studio experience and it, you know what I mean? It's just like, it just keeps, oh, yeah. it just keeps going. It just oh, keeps yeah. going. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's so funny how, Every morning I'm in the shower or whatever. I'm like, ah, I can sing like a motherfucker. And then all of a sudden I get to the studio. I'm like, oh, I'm so dry. It hurts. Yeah, man. <laughs> Just that, the, the nerves, the nerves and all that. Um, it, it's been interesting because I've had such a unique experience every time I've recorded. Uh, so Kurt obviously was very unique for me. And then the, the Diggers EP was interesting because that was the one time I was surrounded by a lot of, so my, my friend Josh the Goon had hit me up and he was like, hey, man, what are you doing with these songs, with the Amigo stuff? And I was like, nothing. This was like early 2013. And he's like, well, let's do something with them. And I was like, nah, let's not. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, I mean, How about no? How about no? <laughs> How about, uh, and he's like, come on, just let's try it. So he put together... Uh, pretty awesome group of people um it was it was like josh it was andrew klein chris rakestra skinhead rub i'm trying to think of who's in this in the studio but it was it was fun it was like yeah. a group of people and it was the first experience i'd had with like party studio right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so it was very very just memory driven as opposed to uh performance driven it was like everyone's having a good time that was awesome. Yeah. Third experience was also amazing, but a little more nerve wracking was uh, Seth Manchester at um, Machines of Magnets. Okay. In Providence. I'm trying to recall things because my, my brains are mashed potatoes. I gotcha. But that was again, just me and Seth. And that was a very lonely experience, but rewarding in a different way. And then Ross Robinson with everything. Yeah. Else. <laughs> the big dog, the big dog. Yeah, everything is fine. Came out 2018, oh and that was a breakout record for you, man. Good old so scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that experience like? What, Ross is—is is he in Venice? Is that where he's at? Yeah, in Venice. But we recorded at uh, Valentine Studios. Okay. And that was my first experience with not with time. I should say with time. Yeah. In studio. And with somebody of everybody before then had, you know, a legacy of their own. Ross was the first one that when you Google his name, it was all stories of being in the studio with him as opposed to just his accomplishments. And so, you know, beforehand I was reading about Ross and all that. And I was like, damn. Cause I had met him a few times at that point once we decided to do the record and all that. And I was like, he's such a nice guy. Like he's such an awesome guy. And all these things are talking about how intense and out there he is. <laughs> I already and slid a guy from neck to nuts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like what's, what's he gonna, what's he gonna do? Nothing, none of it, none of it. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was amazing, but it was again, completely different, man. Like we just, we just got so deep into everything. And everything was so uh, involved that yeah. it was the first time that I was really, really forced to look at the songs and be like, does this matter? Not does the song matter to the world, does the song matter to me? Yeah. And uh, I use this word in a very loving way because I think it's necessary sometimes, but it was exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he really doesn't let you skate by. Like, you don't... You don't get to just put in bare minimum. You don't get to put even even 70% of the effort. No, no, no. You're, you're, every ounce you have in you, he will get out of you. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. You learn a lot. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's an experience that you can't really 
um, you know, duplicate, you know, it's just one of those things that when you, when you get the experience of, of recording a record with a big time producer, uh, it's just something that changes you as an artist, you know, you learn so much and I, I feel you, especially when it's like, you know, you're, you get to a point sometimes in the studio where you're playing the song, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 times through and you get a performance that you love or that you, you know, think is great. And it's not jiving on the other end with the producer. It's like, do it again, or you can do more. You know, this that you hit those walls, you know, where it's like, it gets, it gets dicey, man. It gets dicey, but you know, that's where, you know, as the artist, you got to kind of, you know, into, into thine hands, I commit my spirit. You kind of just got to, you know, let that, let him do his thing and just go for it, you know, but that's a, that's, that's, I bet that was a really, you know, incredible experience doing that record. I've always wanted to work with Ross. He seems like a pretty, pretty great dude. I, I highly recommend it to anybody, honestly, anybody that is a guest to like do it. It's, it's rad. How did it feel doing? I was going to ask you about this because there's a couple songs on Everything is Fine that were on volume one songs that you've had for a minute, right? Like Helen, yeah. you, the dreamer, stuff like that. So did you, they're different versions, right? Yeah. Cause they got like, I know like, cause like Helen, you, is it Helen, you that's got the snare on it? Helen, you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what, first of all, how do you feel about that? Cause sometimes as a fan of music, you know, you listen to a band and they'll like re-record a song a certain amount of times. And it's like, the, it has something when it first comes out and it has something on the latest version, but they're kind of like different, you know? Did, did you mind re-recording songs? Did you want to leave them be? Or did you want to add something to them? Or So the, the re-recording was my idea. Okay. Um, it wasn't anything that was even suggested to me. It was just kind of something that I brought to the table. And I was like, hey, I think we can do these better. Right. Gotcha. That makes sense. I don't know if it's because I lived with them for so long or because in my mind, I believed that I had grown. And I was like, okay, now I know more than I did. So I have to be able to do it better. I don't necessarily agree that I did. And I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier is you can't really put yourself back in that space. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Helen, you, for example, was hard because I wanted it to be a little more brooding, a little less just bright and jangly. And it, it didn't have it. It wasn't the right move, in my opinion. I think part of me, looking back, wanted, it knew that this record was going to be heard by more people than the EPs. There were some really cool people working on it. And I was like, all right, well, why don't I grab the songs that I really, really like, that I want the new people listening yeah, to hear. You want to shine a light on, on probably what you think is some of your best work. Right. And like, put it out there. And so I was like, well, if we just re-record them and add them to this record, then they're going to hear it. First of all, it made the record like 16 tracks, which is <laughs> way too many tracks. Uh, but it just, it, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't work how I imagined it was going to work in my mind with the new developments those songs were all meant to be simple those songs were all meant to be exactly what they were and i tried to force them to be reborn as something else that i wanted in that moment but not full time the only song that i did re-record from the i guess what i call the demo version or whatever it was a song called the liars club okay yeah 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 and the theme, like the story of the song was too important to me for how the original song sounded. It sounded very like spacey and jammy. And it was like, do, 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 do. And I wanted it to be a little more brash, a little more, a little more abrasive. Yeah. Uh, so I re-recorded it super happy with it loved it that's that's how i wanted that song to be awesome and everybody goes nope prefer the original <laughs> ah! <laughs> the amount of hate that song gets like the re-recording is absolutely hilarious and, and i love it i can't blame them i can't you know you you prefer what you prefer 
but for me, it was rewarding because I got what I needed out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, these two have it. That's the thing. I mean, do with, uh, with, with the mariachi band we've done, we, there, we have this one B side, the song called, uh, if ever, and it's like, do we, we did that song a zillion different like ways, a zillion different styles. And one of the original, the original is just, uh, acoustic and, 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 and vocals. And then we did this one, uh, I did this one. I went down this rabbit hole, dude, this did like this whole Elvis, like breakdown, like talking, you know, like darling, like full, full on dude. And I, dude, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so dope, you know, and then band hated it, you know, band, band hated it. Uh, you know, but at least I have, I got like a demo version of it. So, but it's, it's cool to, uh, to take certain songs and just, uh, and just, you know, write them. And, and sometimes, you know, a song can have more than one identity, you know, and it's kind of cool as a fan to like hear different versions of a song, as long as, you know, you just, I think people get too wrapped up and like, you know, this version sucks. Yeah. You know, it's just like, that, hey, this is just another version. Why don't you just fucking relax, dickhead? The old version's still there, you know? It's, it's all... <laughs> That's it's, it's the same thing when people, you know, you put out a new record and, and you feel like you've grown or you feel like you have more to present. And all of a sudden everybody's like, ah, I, I like the old stuff. Well, then listen to the fucking old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to do you want me to record the old shit again? Like just with different words and just recycle everything? Nah, man. Let's let, let, let everyone grow. I know. I know. Absolutely, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wanted to talk to you about lyrics real quick because. Uh, I read that the uh, the John Prine song uh, Sam Stone had kind of a, a big impact on you, oh, yeah. and uh, you know John Prine is 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 the man. Obviously, we all know that. But where does your lyrical approach come from? Because obviously, like Kurt said, got a lot of songs about death. Uh, you got a lot of songs about uh, the dark side of life, uh, which I, which I love. And I think, uh, uh, people who are uh, fans of your music really dig, uh, and identify with as well. Um, so where does that, like, where does your kind of lyrical ideology come from? Um, you know, where do you, uh, kind of draw inspiration from, uh, when you sit down to write? Um, I think if we, if we take it in all the way back when I was, when I was a kid, I was very, I had a very morbid sense of reality, but not in like, I wouldn't say it was that I was obsessed with anything in that realm. I was very fascinated by things that terrified me. All right. It wasn't that I loved blood and gore and death. It was, it was like, that is scary as shit. I'm going to go there. And then, you know, I wouldn't go. I would just be like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Ah! <laughs> and carrying, carrying on throughout the years, I think that I started developing more of a tolerance to actually explore the things that terrify me. And through that tolerance, I kind of built an appreciation for the, 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 it's, it's a, it's a weird one because it's so, such a fine line between um, immersion and exploration essentially where i i didn't understand why i started to not understand why people are so terrified of talking about certain things yeah the most basic element ever just just death so many people are terrified of talking about death because of myriad of factors like you know i've heard people be like oh if you talk about death you're gonna call it like, mm, no maybe but yeah. maybe not and things with the serial killers, for example, I, I, I started reading magazines that were like true crime magazine. My mom and my grandma would go shopping at the, in, in Panama, my family lives in Panama. And so they would go to this place called La Rocha, Farmacia Rocha, and um, that a giant magazine section, like biggest magazine section to this day I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so they'd be doing their thing and grocery shopping, pharmacy, whatever. And I'd go to the magazines, tattoo magazines. I never even had tattoos in my life, but you know, I was like 12 or 13, picked up a tattoo magazine, and I was like, look at these idiots. Yeah. So Why would you want to do this? She said, Oh my God, that's really cool. And then 
you know, two years later, 1415, I'm getting the dumbest fucking tattoos on the planet. <laughs> the worst places by the worst people. <laughs> Same with BMX. I remember uh, I, would, I would see kids ride BMX in Miami all the time. And I was like, these guys are fucking stupid. Like, they're going to fall and break their bones. Then I picked up a BMX magazine. I was like, huh. Pretty badass. <laughs> I think I want a bike. And so I ended up getting like a GT. No, it was a Dyna. Nice. I think it was a Dyna. I ended up with one of those, you know, and same shit. Like those young, young, young years. True crime magazine. I started reading these insanely horrible stories. Yeah. And they terrified me. Just miserably, just nightmares. Um, I had to sleep with like lights on and shit like that for a long time because I imagined that someone was going to walk into my room and grab me by the feet and smash me against the wall or something. Like I don't, I had the most irrational fears. Um, cause it wasn't, I mean, the fear is rational. The ways that I thought they were going to kill me was fully rational, but that stuck with me. Yeah, man. It's cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's all it's it's awesome lyrical content, you know, to me, because it's like like you're saying there is, you know, for some reason, there's a lot of things in this world that are taboo that people just don't want to talk about. And one of the things about writing lyrics, people like you and I, who, who you know, kind of listen to punk rock and hardcore and things like that, you know, is like, you know, self-expression is a beautiful thing. You should be able to say anything you want and especially writing lyrics, being creative it's like, dude, like, let it fucking fly. You know, you want to go dark, go fucking dark. You know what I mean? You want to, you want to go make believe you want to write some Ronnie James Dio shit, fucking write it. You know, I think you tow a really cool line of writing about dark shit, but you also approach it with a little bit of humor. You have your own style. You, you tell a good motherfucking story too, my man, you know? So, yeah. So it's cool, man. I I really dig it. I think, uh, you know, and, and honestly, uh, as someone who at the very core of, you know, what you do musically is just, you know, it's your voice and your instrument, you know, so lyrics are, are almost extra important for someone like you, you know, because you got to have, you know, and I know, I know you're getting into the full band, uh, you know, thing here next year, but, you know, I think especially for singer songwriters, someone who approaches music from a really stripped down standpoint, if you really put the energy and focus into your lyrics, people love it and they will fucking hang on every fucking word, dude. And people love your fucking lyrics, man. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it a lot. I, I think yeah. one of the aspects that I kind of grew into because I didn't have this mindset early on, but I realized the one thing I didn't want to do was um, just the shock value thing. Like I didn't want the yeah. purpose of lyrics to be strictly shock value. So whether that comes across or not that's you know that's a different story but that's a in my opinion a big difference between that immersion and exploration concept where there's a there's a way to associate with very very dark and taboo subjects without glorifying or becoming them yeah and i think that's where you you divide bringing negative concepts into the world versus making the world aware of negative concepts to be able to regulate, deal with, learn from whatever it is. Because if you don't talk about things that are bad, you don't find answers to avoid them. And without talking about it, you're never going to figure it out. I'm not saying I'm figuring it out. But you know. hey, but but you're you know the, the, it's the artistry, it's the delivery, man. It's it's putting it out there in a way that makes it okay to talk about and makes it okay to like investigate and dive into an experience. You know, I mean, I, I think that's the thing. Is a lot of times it, it, it's all about um, you know the vehicle people choose to get to where they're going. You know, I think I think you uh, you know invite people in to your world musically and and lyrically, and and then they can kind of you know, stumble around in the dark and, and, and see what they find. <laughs> Turn on the light every once in a while. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, 
Uh, all right, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. It is fucking New Year's Eve for crying out loud. But uh, let's talk about this uh, this live show at the Blasco Theater on February 5th in Los Angeles because because uh, it's coming up. You know, it's coming up and so soon. Uh, Amigo shows, uh, you know, seem like they seem to be somewhat of a religious experience. Uh, your crowd singing every word. Uh, obviously, you love playing live. It's yeah. the fucking best. Everyone knows that. So uh, what's what's your vibe going into this? It's the first time with a full band, correct? First time ever. Damn. First time, first time ever. Um, my expectations of it, which are most likely not the reality of it, but the, the reason that I wanted to try it, the reason I want to do it at least once is because uh, when I'm playing alone, I hear everything behind me. Yeah. I'm and that's one way that I'm able to kind of disconnect with the reality of being alone on stage. And I snap in and out of that during shows where I realize like, ah, shit, there's, there's no one playing with you. Calm it down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for me, I'm just, I'm hoping that it's like, what, what if, what if I do get to hear the sounds that I hear? Yeah, if I do get to feel it as heavy as I want it to be. And that's kind of my my goal with it is to really step. It's I, I don't want to play the records. Basically, yeah. I'm not trying to add the instrumentation that's on the records. I want to add the emotion and the sonic wall that I hear and feel while I'm playing. Um, I've always been somewhat of a. Like, I really enjoy when bands play things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I want to hear the record, I'll listen to the record. And obviously, that doesn't apply to everybody because some bands are just so fucking good at what they do that it's like, just yeah. whatever you want, please. And I'll, yeah. I'll watch it happily. But I, I really want this to be... Um, I want to present what, what I feel and see. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, you got a vision, my man. You got a vision. I can't wait to see it. How many, how many, how big's the band? How many instruments? What, what are we doing? Uh, it is either going to be four or five. Okay. Nothing crazy. Nothing huge. My original idea was, I was like, I'm, I'm a little do disappointed. A I was hoping for like 10, 12. The you know? big, big <laughs> I think, I think with what we're doing, it's going to be enough. Hell yeah. I hope. Um, yeah. Originally I was like, I'm going to get a whole symphony and we're going to do a whole orchestra show. Um, yeah, man, these times are tough for stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's and and honestly, it's uh, you know, you got a place to go to. I mean, the orchestra yeah. gig can be that you know, put that off till next year. Um, awesome, man, and that's gonna be uh, February fifth at the Blasco Theater in Los Angeles. If you don't have tickets yet, get your motherfucking tickets because it's gonna be very, very special. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, let's see what any other uh, touring plans for next year. We have a couple one-offs. I know we're doing two shows with Lucero in Denver this Hell month. Yeah, nice. Fifteenth, sixteenth. Cool. And some support tours, some other special one-offs. Um, not necessarily full band or anything. Just some stuff I've wanted to do for a while at, at different venues that are not really venues. Yeah. And, cool. And, uh, yeah, everything's just kind of. You know, we, you know, Europe is in March, April. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to going back there. The uncertainty of everything kind of kills me, but that's kind of all you can do is just pretend it's going to happen. <laughs> and, and if it doesn't, you know, and, and a lot, I feel like a lot of people that aren't directly involved have no reason to know. It's not like a fault of theirs. It's there's no reason, but like all the damn planning that goes in, even, even booking flights and yeah. I'm just booking. Oh the, God. I got just enough fucking United credit right now. I just want to puke. Just, just <laughs> everything is just like, cool. We're doing all this work for something that's going to happen. <laughs> for something that may or may not happen at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, Danny, I appreciate your time, man. So much, so much uh, for being on the Sailor Jerry podcast, man. Um, so I, I got a favor. I asked you earlier, maybe if we could maybe close out the year with the song. Is that something you would you would grace us with? Is that something we could make happen? Uh, to be honest, I'm grateful that you wanted me on this. So 
whatever you want from me. <laughs> Hell yeah, my man. Hell yeah. Let me grab this thing. Yes. So even though it was released a little later on, this is still one of the first songs that I ended up writing for this. And since you know we talked so much about the EPs and all that, um, I had I recorded a, a tiny little snippet of me playing like the first verse and maybe half a chorus for YouTube. And it sat there for years and years and years. Then I finally finished it, but and now we can do it. <laughs> to myself and learn things I never really wanted to know. I walked out a little far, so I got into a cab that smelled like vinegar, stains that showed what's in the world before. But I want to be where all the stupid shit I say sounds so romantic and true. I'd rot in hell with you If you just asked me to I love the shitty things we do together Live with me in this sin forever Hell and you I know you wanted to I say you take the shot See this chance Feel the fire And let me have this dance with you We take things a little far, but you couldn't name a place I wouldn't go with you. A plane, a train, a car I'd run. If I was dead, I'd float. I'd crawl in bed with you. Even on someone else's blood, on top of someone else's love. In the worst motel we find, his home is the last place that I'd stand to be with anyone but you. I'd rot in hell with you If you just asked me to I love the shitty things we do together Live with me in this sin forever Hell and you I know you wanted to I say you take the shot See this chance Feel the fire And let me have this dance with you Cause I'd rot in hell with you if you just asked me to i love the shitty things we do together live with me in this sin forever hell and you i know you wanted to i say you take the shot see this chance feel the fire and let me have this then with you <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah, amigo, the motherfucking devil, baby. Thank you, Danny. Hey, thank uh, you, man. man. Absolute blast talking with you, brother. Thank you for that. It was uh, absolutely incredible. Nothing but love to you. Uh, continued success in the new year, my man. And Likewise. hopefully, our our paths will cross. Uh, you know, somewhere out there in 2022. I will make it happen. <laughs> All right, brother. Peace. Cheers. Thank you for everything. Oh, yeah. That's a wrap on episode 27 of the Sailor Jerry podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to the 27 Club. As always, huge special thanks to our amazing guest, the one and only Amigo the Devil. Thank you very much uh, for your time the conversation and of course the performance of Helen you god damn that was amazing uh you know hopefully a lot more of that to come in the future of the sailor jerry podcast you can follow amigo the devil at amigo the devil of course on instagram twitter facebook all that stuff uh you know go get his records uh go see the man live uh support what he's doing because it's really special and really cool 
Um, and of course, you know, you can follow Sailor Jerry at Sailor Jerry. You can follow me at 213 Matman. Uh, you can follow your dreams because it's 2022 and anything is possible, ladies and gentlemen. So don't forget before we go that Sailor Jerry Spiced Rum is made the old school way. 92 proof, bold and smooth as hell. We'll see you in 14 days. Peace.